We have a very special Sunday that's coming up here shortly at the end of the month on the 28th. Uh, we're calling it Vision Sunday. And it's going to be a day in which we will announce uh, a very important and very exciting change. Uh, last week when I made this announcement, um, it was interesting to be able to see uh, your reaction and to see some of you lean toward one another. And I suppose you were trying to guess what this could be. Well, one of the things that I think some of you are thinking, uh, because I've been told this by some of you, that I'm going to announce my retirement. Well, I assure you it is not that. <laughs> I assure you that that day is coming. Uh, <laughs> well, well, thank you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, sometimes I, I liken it to uh, the second coming of Jesus. Now you say, I mean, where does that connect? You know, Jesus does not know the day nor the hour when he is going to return, but only the Father knows. Well, I haven't been given by the Father that day or hour or year when it's time for me to leave. So I will be announcing uh, as soon as I know, I'll let you know, and uh, we'll leave it at that. But that is not what is going to take place on Vision Sunday. Nevertheless, this is going to be a very important announcement. So please mark your calendar and join us. Now, the reason for the series this month of April, if you picked up one of those sheets in the foyer or you were here last week and you looked in your bulletin, um, why do we exist? Why do we as a church exist? What is our purpose? Why has God, in His sovereignty, why has God put Word of Life Chapel right here in Halifax? You know, I'm not going to get into the history of Word of Life Chapel, but you know, this church was a part of another church up in Lycans. It could very well have been Word of Life Chapel in Lycans today. But why did God choose Halifax? Why are we here? On the back of your bulletin, and it's on the back every week, and if you have your bulletin, grab it, because I want us to read something together. It's our purpose. It's why we exist. It's why we do what we do. Read this with me, would you please? Our purpose to glorify God, teaching His Word, and reaching all people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, when our purpose was written down, stated like this, many, many years ago, we, over the years, we would tweak it, we would adjust it, we would make a few changes, and it wasn't that awfully long ago that we went back to the original. This is the original purpose of Word of Life Chapel. And so everything we do, including 
the announcement made on the 28th of April, everything goes back to our purpose. In everything we do, we must glorify God. That's the overriding purpose of Word of Life Chapel. And we do that by teaching His Word and reaching all people with the gospel of Christ. Someone said churches today need to understand that we must keep the main thing, the main thing. A lot of churches divert from the purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. That cross is the bridge between God and man. Jesus built a bridge so that God and man might be able to come into a relationship with one another. We are alienated from God. The Bible says mankind is at enmity with God. And so there needs to be a reconciliation. There needs to be a cross in order that God and man might come back into a relationship. The story is told of two brothers that lived on a farm. Actually, they lived on separate farms, but they were adjoining. And these brothers, uh, because the farms were so close together... They were able to share their resources and different farm equipment. But one day they got into a huge quarrel. And the only thing that existed between the two of them, the only thing that remained was bitterness. They came to the place where they weren't speaking to one another. And one day, there was a knock on the door of John, one of the brothers. And it was a carpenter. And the carpenter asked John if he had any work for him to do. And John said, I certainly do. And he took the carpenter outside and he said, now look here. He said, my brother, who owns that farm over there, he took a bulldozer and he made a creek that comes right down through our property line. And I know why he did it, just to get back at me. He said, what I want you to do, John said to the carpenter, I want you to build a fence right along that creek so that I can't even look over into his farm. Well, the carpenter, he worked all day. And when evening came, John looks outside. He sees no fence. But what he sees is a bridge, a bridge that the carpenter had built from one farm to the other over that creek John's brother looked outside and he saw the bridge as well and he his heart was touched he thought here is my brother trying to reach out to me and he started to walk toward the bridge as John walked toward the bridge and they met in the middle and they embraced you see the Bible says that we that is mankind we are a part from God. Sin has separated us from God. But God wants to reconcile the world unto himself. 
And the way God did that was with a cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. There was a song, maybe it's still out. It says this, With three nails and two pieces of wood, with one rugged cross, Jesus built a bridge. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is that bridge when he died on that cross. So this morning we want to look at this bridge. We want to look at the cross and see how Jesus brought together God and man. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he speaks of reconciliation. Reconciliation. Webster defines it this way. The restoring of a relationship. The resolving of a dispute. The settling of a problem. Or bringing two parties together who are far apart into harmony. Follow along as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning at verse I'm going to start at 17. I think I only have 18 on the screen, but we'll get to 18. But let's start with 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Five times Paul uses this word to reconcile, whether in verb or adjective form. Let me summarize the verses I just read. Once we are reconciled to God through Christ, we then are given the ministry of reconciliation. Let me say that again. Once we are reconciled to God, once we are brought into that relationship of harmony with our Heavenly Father, we then are given the ministry of reconciliation. Point number one, what God did. Verse 18 says God did it all. It says all this is from God. That is salvation, redemption, reconciliation. It's all from God. God is the one who initiated salvation. God is the one who initiated redemption. He sustains it and he brings it to completion. 
Not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul said, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 Jonah, from the belly of the whale, cried out, Salvation is of the Lord. He knew that his deliverance, his rescue, had to, become, had to come from God himself. God alone is the one who designed a way for sinners to be reconciled to himself. God designed that. But he designed it through Christ. So why is reconciliation so necessary? Are we not all children of God's? Do we not come into this world in a wonderful relationship with our Father in heaven? No. The Bible says sin separates us from God. It started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When God said to Adam and Eve, He gave them a test. And He gave them a prohibition. Everything you may freely eat, except one fruit in the middle of the garden. We all know the story. They ate the fruit, and then the day you eat, you will surely die. And when they ate of that fruit, sin entered into the world, and they hid themselves. And who was it that went to find them? God did. God says, where are you, Adam? Adam wasn't looking for God. God was looking for Adam. And since that time, God has always sought men. Man doesn't seek God. God takes the initiative to bring salvation to the world. It's sin that separates us from God. In Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And because sin has entered into the world, God now seeks us. Romans 3 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands, and nobody seeks after God. God seeks us. That's why Paul says here, before he gets into the idea of reconciliation, all this is from God. It's all by His grace. The good news, however, is that we can have a relationship with God. We can be restored to the relationship that God wants with mankind. That broken relationship can be mended. That broken relationship can be saved. But something has to be done with sin because it's sin that separates. So if we can just take that sin somehow and remove it, then we can come together and be in a relationship with God. So you need to close the gap. And so we read in verse 19, not counting people's sins against them. God devised a way, He designed a plan whereby sin can be removed. We read in Psalm 103 that sin was removed as far as the east is from the west. In Micah chapter 7, it says that God cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. And in Isaiah chapter 38, God cast our sins behind His back. 
So God forgives our sins so completely that we could say about them, they might as well be buried in the bottom of the ocean. But not literally. I mean, God didn't like take our sins and throw them literally into the depths of the ocean. Like we take garbage and we throw it into a dumpster. But what did God do with our sins? Look down at verse 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. Now, when it says God made him, it's not like he had to twist the arm of Jesus to get him to go to the cross. We, we know better than that. We know that Jesus always did, did the will of his Father. Not my will, but your will be done. When it says God made, it means he planned this. That God designed all of this. That God initiated this. That God applied it. Which brings us to what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do in this whole matter of reconciliation. Well, it says in verse 21 that Jesus had no sin. He had no sin. We need to understand that, that Jesus was the perfect Son of God. And we find that throughout the Scriptures, do we not? We find uh, that uh, those like Pilate, for example, you know, said that he's an innocent man. So Jesus didn't go to the cross because he had some sin in him. Why was it that Jesus went to the cross? He went willingly. He just said that. It wasn't because the Jews turned on him, although they did. The Bible says when Jesus came to his own, the Israelites, they rejected him. That's not why he went to the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross because the Pharisees plotted his death, although they did. There was no relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus would say things like, woe to you, you whitewashed sepulchers. They hated Jesus and his message. Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was betrayed by Judas, although he did betray him. Jesus didn't go to the cross because the Roman governor sentenced him to crucifixion. Although he did. All these are true. But why did Jesus go? Because God sent him. God made him become sin. Back in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and verse 23, we read these words. This man, Jesus, was handed over to you by God's deliverance plan and foreknowledge. Don't ever forget that. Jesus went to the cross because God sent him to the cross. It was the will of God that he go to the cross. And before the very foundation of the world, God had this plan in mind that this would be the means whereby man could be reconciled to himself. There's a footnote I like to read from the NAV Study Bible. I always enjoy um, the footnotes. They always seem to uh, make so much sense. 
This is the footnote on verse 21. Um, it says, this is a summary. Let me read the verse again. This, the, the verse is this, God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we then might become the righteousness of God. And so this is the summary of the gospel and its logic in verse 21. Christ, the only entirely righteous one, at Calvary, he took our sin upon himself and endured the punishment that we deserve, namely, death and separation from God. Thus, by a marvelous exchange, he made it possible for us to receive his righteousness and thereby be reconciled to God. Our standing and our acceptance before God are solely in him, Christ. Again, all this is God's doing. All this is freely available to us because of the initiative of divine grace. Do you understand what is being said here? There is this marvelous exchange. Jesus took our sin and trades it for his righteousness. And at the end of that footnote, it said, this is all freely given to us. It's all freely available to us. Now, my wife and I, we uh, headed down to Williamsburg again a few weeks ago and had another good week. We always seem to. Uh, it always seems to work out for us. And, um, you know, when we go, we, we go with our um, um, smartphones. Yeah, we've got a smartphone and um, we have our Dunkin' Donut app and a Starbucks app. And we spend a lot of time at Starbucks. She likes her Dunkin' Donut, and we get her coffee, then we go into Starbucks, and I get my cup of coffee. But, you know, if you have their app, if you have their app, and I know some of you do, you know, you can, you can earn points with Dunkin', and you can earn stars with Starbucks and get free rewards, so what we do throughout the years, we save up all these rewards so that when we get down there, you know, we can treat ourselves in the afternoon to a free Frappuccino <laughs> or egg bites early in the morning. And it's all free. Don't you love free? Now, some of you also know that we have a timeshare down in Williamsburg. It allows us to go down as much as we do. And I know I've talked to some of you that have timeshares at different places. Uh, we've talked about the meetings. Some of you know about the meetings. That high-pressured sales pitch to get you to buy more and upgrade and do all these things. And when we go down, we say to ourselves, we are not going to a meeting this week. And sometimes we don't. But two weeks ago, we did. I don't know how many, I can't count how many meetings we've been to. But now, what do they do? They pay you to go. Right? Some of you found offers, you know, you get two nights stay for free and three days, and, but you've got to go to a meeting. You've been there, you've done that. So we went to the meeting. This, this time we went, sometimes they wine you and dine you, but this time we got a $75 Visa debit card to sit in on a half an hour meeting. It wasn't too bad this time. Sometimes we come out of there and we're just like, oh, why did we do this? But it wasn't that way. Now, my wife, she's been wanting a black down coat for quite some time. 
they're a bit expensive. Um, and she's been looking, and we go to outlets, and we did down in Williamsburg, and we went to I don't know where to, you know, this place and that place, and couldn't find one. And finally at Eddie Bauer, there it is, the black down coat, $150. But because it's winter's over, it's half price, $75. Now, we have a Visa debit card for free coat. A free coat. You have to love free. Now, you do know that your salvation's free, right? It didn't cost you a thing. Now, the Bible says, you know, as disciples, <laughs> you know, it's going to, but your salvation was free. But it wasn't free to Jesus. It cost Jesus his very life. It was God who said, I'm going to send Jesus into this world because I love this world. For God, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son in order that we who believe in him might be given eternal life. When Jesus died, there was a price to be paid. It was a price that you couldn't pay. I couldn't pay. It was a price that only Jesus could pay. The righteous, holy Son of God who went to the cross to become sin for us. That doesn't mean He became a sinner. There is no sin in Jesus. Pilate, before sentencing Jesus, said, I find no guilt in this man. The thief in the cross, when he looked over at Jesus, he said this, this man has done nothing wrong. And even the Roman centurion, as hardened and calloused as he was, he looked at Jesus and said, certainly this man was innocent. The apostle John said in his epistle, in him there is no sin. And Peter called Jesus holy and righteous. So he didn't die for his own sins. He didn't become a sinner. But in this statement, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us is the word substitute. That Jesus died in our place. Where we should have died, Jesus died. And he bore the consequences of our sin. He took the blame for our sin. He identified with our sin. I think back in the Old Testament, we have a wonderful picture of the sacrificial lamb who died. Here's an Israelite, and he sins against God, and so in order for his sins to be taken care of and covered, he brings a lamb to the priest, and the priest slays that lamb. On behalf of that man, the lamb dies for the man, the innocent for the guilty. Jesus is the righteous who died for the unrighteous, the holy one, the unholy. Now, there's a reason for that. It says at the middle of verse 21, so that, so that we might receive his righteousness. You see, God is a holy God. 
And God demands of us, he demands of us perfection and holiness and righteousness. And we say to ourselves, that's impossible. You bet it is. That's why we need the righteousness of Christ. We give him our sins as he bears them on the cross. He gives us his righteousness so that we now, the unholy, the unrighteous, are righteous in the eyes of God. The whole old has gone and the new has come. We have become a new creation in Christ. We're reconciled to God. We now come into a relationship with God as we trust Christ and admit that there's no righteousness in us. And once we're reconciled to God, we are now given a ministry of reconciliation. Everyone who comes to Christ is given a new ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. So the third point is this, what we must do. We saw what God did and what Jesus did. Now, what must we do? Well, the first command is to be reconciled in verse 20. At the end of verse 20, be reconciled to God. And that's what I just tried to explain. When you recognize that you are unholy, that you can't satisfy the standard that God has set, and you recognize and fall humbly before God, bow before Him, admitting your wrongdoing, admitting your sins, admitting your unrighteousness, and accepting that in Jesus, He died for you, taking away your sins and giving you His righteousness. When you come to that place of being reconciled to God, you're given a ministry of reconciliation. So the first response to what God did and Jesus did is be reconciled, Paul said. Be reconciled. Now, the second response is to be ambassadors. Now, I know it says at the beginning of verse 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We are that. In other words, when you're reconciled, you become a representative of Christ. When I say be ambassadors, I'm saying be who you already are. Be who you already are. You are already, if you're reconciled to God and you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're already an ambassador. You represent God in this world. You represent Christ in this world. Be who you are. In verse 18, it says, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In verse 19, it says, We're committed, it has been committed to us the message of reconciliation. We now, who are the recipients of this divine reconciliation, we have the privilege, we have the obligation to proclaim the message of reconciliation to the world. God has given that to us. We all have that ministry. Every one of us has the ministry of reconciliation to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The purpose of Word of Life Chapel, as we just read, is teaching His Word and reaching all people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in this 
text, we move from the great exchange, the wonderful exchange, Jesus bearing our sins and he giving us his righteousness to the great commission. Now go and tell. You who have been changed, you who have become now a new creation, you are now the very representatives and ambassadors for Christ. Now go out there and live that way and speak the name of Jesus. God has entrusted to us Word of Life Chapel, the church. We are the people of God. We are those who have come into a saving relationship with the Heavenly Father. God has entrusted to us, this church, the message of the cross, the message of reconciliation, the message that Jesus Christ saves. Father, I thank you for your word. (coughs) We thank you, Father, for the fact that you have taken an initiative to save mankind, to restore a broken relationship. God, this is all from you. We thank you that you have come to us individually and have brought us salvation. We also thank you, Lord, that you have come to this church and you've raised this church up right here in Halifax to reach our community with the gospel of Christ. Lord, we now who are your ambassadors, help us to go and share the message that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.